Well, good morning, church. Well, I'm sorry, for those of you who were here uh, Christmas Eve, I have no red dragons for you today, okay? Sorry about that. Well, we're in the last of our series, Anticipating Christmas, and you're thinking, uh, Mike, by the way, Christmas is a few days ago. And um, maybe as we have counted down all month long, um, you know, I've come and I've said, hey, it's only, you know, three weeks till Christmas and then two weeks till Christmas and then a few days till Christmas. And, and here we are and we're still anticipating Christmas. And you're thinking, what's going on? You're probably not anticipating Christmas like you were just a few days ago, are you? And yet I wonder, I wonder, what would it be like if God's people were to anticipate Christmas all the time? I wonder if when we were in, to anticipate Christmas, if we were to anticipate Christmas all year, if our faith wouldn't be enlarged, if we would not grow in our faith and our hope in Jesus would grow. I wonder if when we anticipate Christmas, not just the few days or the few months before Christmas. I wonder if we were to anticipate Christmas all the time, if we were to anticipate the realities of Christmas, uh, like those who were anticipating Jesus coming when he first came. I wonder if we were to take that sort of an excitement and anticipation for Jesus if we were to take that all year, if our faith wouldn't grow and our hope wouldn't enlarge. There's a pastor, he's a preacher, and his name is John. And he writes this incredible book. He's been given visions by God, and, and it's a tough time to be a Christian. Like people are, are, you know, they're having a tough time being Christian. It's a very different world than the world that we live in. And he's trying desperately. He's, he's providing the, this message from the Lord. He's giving them these visions that, that God has given to him. And he's trying to say, hey, I want you to anticipate Christmas all the time. And he's trying to say, I want to encourage you. I want your faith to grow. I want your hope to be larger than it is today. And so, so that our faith can be larger uh, so that our faith can grow this next year, so that we can find ourselves hopeful, I want you to anticipate Christmas. Not just when it's Christmas time, not just when uh, the department stores and we walk in uh, to Walmart in September and see the Christmas trees up, not just then, but all the time, all year. But on the eaves of a new year, we might anticipate Christmas all year. And we're going to see that our faith grows and our hope gets larger. And so that we can do that, I want to I point out this morning just two realities. Two realities that we can anticipate that John gives us. So if you're interested in those realities that we can anticipate this morning. Would you join me? Would you open up God's Word? If you don't have a Bible, if you didn't bring one, that's okay. Reach out, grab one of those Bibles in the pew back in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, by all means, would you take that one home? Let it be a, merry, a late Merry Christmas present to you. Would you open it up? And we're going to be in the book of Revelation the very last book of the Bible. If you go back all the way to the back of the Bible, you're going to find Revelation. And we're going to be in one of the last chapters in Revelation, Revelation chapter 21. 
Revelation chapter 21 this morning. If you go all the way to the index, you've gone too far, okay? So Revelation chapter 21. The first reality that John gives to us to enlarge our faith, to, to grow our faith, and, and ho- help our hope get larger uh, over the next year to anticipate uh, this, this reality. The first, uh, the reality that he gives us to do all of that is he gives us a reality that says, I want you to anticipate absence. I want you to anticipate what's not going to be there. Now, generally speaking, uh, when we go someplace, we think, well, I'm going to be bummed out because some stuff's not going to be there. Some people get bummed out because I've heard all sorts of things uh, over the years of, well, when Jesus comes a final time and and God's presence rests with all of his people, I'm going to be bummed because there's not going to be some things there. Am I going to be married there? Am I going to know everybody there? And it doesn't seem, although we're super interested in those types of questions, John, he comes back, and the word that he's given us from the Lord, he says, I want you to instead, I want to challenge you, I want to change your perspective, I want to challenge you to think about, I want you to anticipate what's not going to be there. You ever notice that? I want you to anticipate absence. The first thing he says In chapter 21, first thing, right out of the gate, chapter 21, verse 1, he says, hey, there's no longer going to be a sea. Look at what he says, chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. They're dead. There was no longer any sea. Now, to you and I, this seems odd, right? We're from Iowa. We like the sea, we want to go to the ocean. We want to sit on the beach. We want to, you know, sip on something nice. We want to lay out, right? We want to go and play in the waves. Oh, we want to get on one of those boogie boards and, and see how far we can go. We just want to frolic in the ocean, don't we? Come on, come on. am I the only one? We want to frolic in the ocean. We want to go. It doesn't matter if it's cold. I mean, after all, we're from Iowa. We want to go. Uh, give me, uh, this time of year, give me, give me some ocean. Give me some oceanfront property. I want I want it. I want to hear the noise and, and the waves, and I want to I want to go out and enjoy. I want to build the sandcastle and then watch the waves come and topple it over. Now that's our anticipation. So when we get to verses like, and there's not gonna be any sea, we're kind of we're kind of dumbfounded. We're kind of like, what's going on with that? Why is there no longer any sea? Now, for you and I, we love the ocean. We love the sea. We want to go to it. We want to go vacation there. But that wasn't the case for John. No, the ocean was a great unknown. The ocean was a symbol for all the things that were chaotic. It was a symbol for madness. It was a symbol for confusion. I mean, uh, think about the things that John thinks about with the sea. They don't have any uh, you know, submarines that can go down into the depths to explore all the things that are there. I mean, there's probably things underneath of there that we don't know about. And so for John, he's saying, hey, hey, listen, listen. When Jesus comes that final time, when we anticipate that day, can I tell you that there's not going to be any more chaos? There's not going to be any more madness. 
There's not going to be any more confusion. There's not, there's not going to be any of that. There's no more sea. Isn't that good news? There's no more madness. Can we anticipate a day? Can we anticipate a time when Jesus comes a final time and there is no more madness? Can you imagine a time when you turn on the television and there are no more political commercials with politicians that are slinging characters, you know, mud across the the airways? Can you imagine that day? Can, Can you imagine the day, moms, when there is no more laundry? And yeah, I, I got an amen out of that one. Right? Can, can we imagine? Can we imagine when, when there is no more fatigue because we have had to stay up all night with a sick child? Uh, can we imagine a world in which there is no more calendar uh, in December that is absolutely chaotic, where we find ourselves coming and going, uh, where we're not even sure which way we're pointed? Can, can, we, can we anticipate that day when there's no longer any... Can, can we imagine a day uh, when, uh, when our car starts when it's supposed to start? Can, can we imagine a day when there's no strange oil leaks? Can we imagine a day when... Uh, when nothing goes wrong in our homes? Can we imagine that day when there is absolutely no more chaos, when there's no, nothing that just pops up, uh, when, there's, when there's no unexplained confusion, when we don't have to scratch our heads about anything? John says there was no longer any sea. Can you anticipate that world with me? When we live and enjoy and appreciate people and there's no longer any chaos, John says there's no longer any sea. John says, hey, if you, if you want a reality of growing faith and hope, I want you to see that there's a world coming in which there's no, more, there's no longer any chaos. There's no more confusion. There's no more madness. I want you to anticipate that day. But he says there's something else that I want you to anticipate an absence. He says, there's some words that we're not going to use anymore. It's going to be the last day on words that we use. There's going to be some, some things that we never say anymore. Look at chapter 21. Now look at verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye, And get this, there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Uh, Drop down if you would. Go down to chapter 22 and look in verse 3. He says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. There's no more curse. Of course, the curse that he's talking about has already occurred in Genesis. Uh, you remember the story, Adam and Eve are in the garden. Uh, they're, they're told not to take of the fruit. And of course, they take the fruit, they eat of the fruit. And then everything, all hell breaks loose, literally. And they're cursed. And we read about the curse in Genesis and there's going to be pain and childbearing and, and there's going to be toil in, in the work that Adam has to do. And, and, and John comes back and he says, I want you to anticipate some things that aren't going to be there. I want you to anticipate a whole different vocabulary that you're going to have to learn because there's going to be some things that just simply aren't there anymore. JoLynn, my bride, couldn't make the trip this morning. You know why? 
because my son is sick. You know what's great? Not that my son is sick, but that the day that John is helping us to anticipate, that day, there's no sick. Sick doesn't even exist. That's not a word that we're ever going to use. Uh, can we say cancer? No, that's, that's not a word that we're going to use. If someone were to try and use that word on that day, we're going to be, what's that? Pharmacy? No. Medicine? Uh-uh. Doctor? Nope. Sorry. Sorry, doc. You're, you're out of a job. Can you think of all the words that we don't have to use anymore? Counselor? No. No, no need for a Counselor? All the words. Can you imagine all the words that we don't have to use anymore? Hurt or band-aid? Ouch? None of it. Actually, as I thought my way through this, I wrote down several names. Names of those of you who know what loss feels like. And I, and I thought of you. And I thought of the hope that, that perhaps you need in particular this morning. I wrote these names down. Fred, I wrote, I wrote your name down. I thought of you and Pam. I thought of Roxanne and Brian and Nancy and Adair and Harriet and George and Catherine and Vincent and Fern and Senior. Hey, can, can you guys imagine? Can you begin to imagine a world in which we no longer use the word funeral when the word death is no longer there. You see, the world that John is painting for us, the world that he's trying to get us to anticipate is the world in which there is no more death or crying or mourning or pain. He says the curse has been done away with. Church, we can anticipate Christmas every day and all year. And when we do, our faith grows in who God is and all that He's doing in the world. And our hope of what's coming, it keeps us hanging on and it encourages us and in the journey that we're, we're facing. So that when we come across those hurdles and those obstacles, we keep going. That's what John was trying to do. He was saying, hey, hey there's something worth anticipating. And I want you to anticipate a reality of absence. And I don't want you to forget it. I want you to hang on to it. I want you to stick it in your, in your hip pocket. And I want you to keep it. I want you to go home. I want you to put it in the safe. I want you to open it up. I want you to look at it. I want you to enjoy it. And I want you to treasure it so that your faith will grow and your hope in who God is gets larger. But that's not the only reality that, that John wants us to anticipate. Actually, he, he, he wants us to enlarge our faith and grow our hope by anticipating a reality of God's presence. Notice what he says in chapter 21 in verse 2. You see, oftentimes what we do is we think of heaven as an escape but we often think, like, I'm going to go from here to up there, and yet Scripture doesn't bear that out. You see, when, 
When John begins to give us this wonderful anticipation of what heaven might be like, uh, when he talks about it, he, he doesn't talk about us escaping to heaven. He talks about heaven coming down. He talks about heaven joining earth. Notice what he says. Look in verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. That ought to ring true in your mind because in the ministry of Jesus in John's Gospel in chapter 1, when John is talking about the first coming of Jesus, he says in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, It's a word that that is really, he tabernacled among us. There was this old tent in the Old Testament. It was called a tabernacle. And it had several sections to it. And there was an outer section. And then as it went inwards, it was like a large target. It just kept going inwards and inwards and inwards. And in the most center place, it was called the most holy place, the holy of holies. And only the high priest could go in there one time a year. And it was a very scary thing for all of Israel. And it was like, oh, but that was the place where God was. That was God's dwelling place. And when John is saying, he's saying when the the dwelling of God is with people, he's saying God once again in all of his grace and all of his majesty is saying, I am not going to just sit in a tent anymore. I'm going to come down and I'm going to be with my people because that's the kind of God that we serve. He's not some God that just simply sits on his throne and watches over everything that happens and goes, you know, you gone, you gone. No, no, that's not the God that we serve. John is is saying, I want you to anticipate God's presence. He, once again, is taking his dwelling and he is coming down to be, to tabernacle, to tent, to be around you and me. That's the kind of God that we serve. You see, we don't escape to heaven. Heaven comes down to us. Uh, Look at chapter 21, verse 10. He says, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem. And catch this, it again is coming down out of heaven from God. Heaven comes to earth. And you and I get to enjoy the presence of God himself. John says, I want you to anticipate a reality of being around God. I I want you to anticipate what it's like with Adam and Eve in the early uh, chapters in Genesis. I want you to imagine what it's like to walk with God on the earth again. You see, there's a, there's a verse in, in Genesis that talks about Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the day. John says, can you, can you imagine what that's like? I want you to begin to think what it would be like to enjoy God's presence as if I can walk up and shake God's hand. He says, the dwelling of God is coming down. 
You know that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we're seeing here is the answer to that prayer. It's the final completion. It's the final fulfillment of all that Jesus said you should pray for. Heaven coming down to earth. Everything on earth as, as it is in heaven. And he's bringing the two and he's marrying them together so that we can enjoy the full and completeness of God's presence where everything wrong is undone and God reigns forever and ever. This is what we're anticipating. I love to backpack. I love sticking 60, 80, 800 pounds that sometimes it feels like on my back. I love grabbing the backpack and just, tr- let's, let's go, right? How many miles can we do so that at the end of the journey I can, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we did like 87 miles or whatever it was. I love doing that. But yeah, I got to be honest with you. There are days where that backpack gets really heavy, where my legs get tired, where I, I would rather just sit right where I am and sleep than do anything more. And I imagine that there are those of you, there are probably all of us, as we journey, as we walk through this Christian life, it feels like that backpack sometimes. It feels like, I just want to stop. I don't want to go anymore. And yet, can I tell you, sometimes what keeps me going on those long, long days where it feels like I just want to stop, what keeps me going is the anticipation of the meal at the end of the day. You know what John's doing? He's saying church, he's saying Christians, I don't want you to forget about the realities you need to anticipate. I don't want you to forget about the end of the journey. I want you to keep going right now. I want you to keep going today. I want you to be encouraged today. I want your faith to grow today. I want you to live in hope today because I want you to see what's coming. The meal is still there and God's going to serve it up. Maybe the greatest part about how John ends this whole thing, he says, you know what? Evil's going to be wrapped up. It's going to be crinkled up and and thrown away like a bunch of, of wrapping paper after Christmas morning. He said, after all of evil has been just crinkled up and thrown away, he says, I'm going to make an invitation. I want you to hear this. For anybody who's saying, I want to anticipate like that. I want a life like that. John writes this, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Come. He says of those who will come, Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates of the city. I, I ran into this quote this week. 
that all of us can anticipate what it's like when Jesus returns. I ran into this quote. I hope that you'll appreciate it. He says this, God's city, God's city is not reserved for those who have never sinned, but for those who are cleansed by the blood of Christ. Gang, we anticipate. We anticipate the reality of what only Jesus can bring, but we don't, we don't do that on our own. We come, and we come because of the blessing of what Jesus has done so that we might be cleansed of sin, that we might understand his grace and live in anticipation of Christmas. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, you are good. And I pray for it myself. I pray for the church that our faith would grow, that our hope would expand, and that we would live in the reality of what you will bring. And Lord, that our present will be changed because of what we anticipate you will bring in the future. Lord, on those long days when we're tired and weary, on the great days when it feels like our feet won't ever touch the ground, Lord, in all of the days, let us... Let us anticipate the reality of what you will bring. Let us anticipate the absence. Let us anticipate your presence. Embolden us, Lord, in this coming year that we would anticipate Christmas all year. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.